Hey guys, the Veterans Assembly Hall podcast, the voice of our veterans right here in the Merrimack Valley. We talk about the issues that are important to you. We talk about the people you know and the events that are going on. We've got a month long of programs on the Veterans Assembly Hall podcast channel that you're going to find of interest where we talk about what's going on with the veterans in the Merrimack Valley. So stay tuned. Check back often. You're going to really enjoy this. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Veterans Assembly Hall podcast. Uh, I'm Mike, and I'm on with Tom again today. How are you doing, Tom? Hey, I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, Lloyd's at so, home. So I meant to, let me, sorry, uh, I meant to ask you, so is that you on the guitar there on the intro? Oh, as a matter of fact, oh, thank you. Yes. No, yeah. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, don't let all the secrets out, right? <laughs> um, now, Lloyd's a musician. He's not here. We can beat up on him. Uh, maybe that's him, or he has some hand in that. I don't know. Do you play an instrument, Tom? I drums. I beat on the drums every now and then. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. I've always wanted to. Maybe before we finish this podcast way out in the future, I, I will have taken a few guitar lessons. In <laughs> I'm not sure we want it on the intro, though. Um, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, we were supposed to be three of us. Lloyd, uh, life gets in the way. He got, he's been trying to work from home, and they get pulled off of something else, so he's not going to be on with us. But uh, that just gives us an opportunity to talk about him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find working at home is harder than working in the office, actually. So. I, true enough. And that, that might be worth a whole podcast in itself, you know, that success in uh, working at home. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so I thought uh, before we start uh, into the uh, podcast itself, um, on a more sober and serious note, there was a – uh, crash uh, this week is at least it just came out in the news this week. It was an air tanker crash over in Australia. They're having a just a horrible time with the um, those bush fires, brush fires yeah. rather. And uh, it was a C one thirty from California, a contract bird that had flown over there to do some fire suppression. And we just you know from, we're the Veterans Assembly Hall. We try to be local to the Merrimack Valley to be the voice of the Valley veteran, but. Um, I wanted to remember those three crew members because all three were not just U.S. citizens. They were uh, they were also servicemen and uh, veterans themselves. Um, and I'll just kind of go through them. Uh, Captain Ian Macbeth, he was from uh, Montana. He served in the past with the Wyoming Air National Guard and was at this moment a member of the Montana Air National Guard. It's a C-130 uh, pilot. His first officer was uh, Paul Clyde Hudson from uh, Buckeye, Arizona, he was a 20-year uh, Marine veteran, also flew uh, 130s in the Marines. And the flight engineer was Rick uh, DeMorgan um, from down in Florida up there in the Panhandle. And he was uh, 18 years as a C-130 flight engineer. So um, we'll dedicate this show to them, and we'll remember them as we, uh, we kind of press on. Yeah, it's, it just shows you that, that you know, these guys – they served in the country, you know, served for their country, and they go on, you know, continuing to serve in various roles, and then uh, ultimately pay the pay the price, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. That's exactly right, Tom. And it was the um, I had that exact same thought. Isn't it funny that you you verbalized it? But um, we talked, and I think in our first show we talked about veterans continuing to serve and how you know how big a presence they are in the workforce and a valuable one. And here's an example where they just continue to serve. You know, they did their uh, service to the country, and then they went, and now they're doing contract firefighting. 
around the world for crying out loud, you know? Right. Yeah. So we remember those three and, uh, it was, um, it was sad news to hear that. Uh, it seems like every time I open up my Facebook, there's something on there. So, um, you know, cheers to our absent warriors. Hey, Tom, and this kind of like uh, dovetails on that to a, to a little bit of a degree. And just before I hit the record button, you and I were kind of um, gaining speed, just throwing stuff around. Um, I, there was some other news that came in this week, and I thought it was interesting. I really, I kind of flagged it because I wanted to bring it up with you, I really, being a Navy veteran, and I wanted to really kind of pick your mind on it. The Navy dedicated a new carrier, and it's going to be named um, to a uh, Pearl Harbor veteran who was also African-American. His name is Doris uh, Miller. He was the first African-American sailor to receive the Navy Cross for bravery uh, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Um, a little bit of his background, he had absolutely no training. He actually joined at a time when um, African-American uh, servicemen and women could not, or I guess just servicemen even back then, could not uh, participate in combat roles, as absurd as that seems. And um, so he uh, went to his battle post at the time of the attack, and uh, for some reason either couldn't get to it or it didn't serve any purpose. So he went up on deck and he manned a fifty caliber uh, anti-aircraft machine gun and, um, and did rather successfully, fired a weapon that he had never been trained on or been allowed to use prior to that. He fired it until he ran out of ammunition, and then he was ordered to f- finally abandon the ship. And what was even more interesting was he later served on the Indianapolis, which you know uh, has a tremendous history, and then was on an escort carrier called the Liscum Bay in 1943. It was struck by a tor- torpedo, went down, and he uh, he ended up perishing there. So um, an interesting, to say the least, story of service. But the question I had for you, Tom, and do you have any, if you have any comments on that, you're welcome to, but the question I had for you was the Navy seems to have it above the other services in uh, memorializing heroes like that when they name a ship after them, right? What do you, what do you... Right. And uh, like you said, we were talking a little bit, and it's one of those things I, I never really thought about being more familiar with the Navy. Um, but, you know, obviously they make ships, you know, all the time, every year they're rolling out, a, you know, at least a couple, it seems like. Sure. Um, and, and so they're – well, so one thing, they are often actually um, – well, I don't know if they're actually looking for people to nominate a, sh- a name for a ship, but I know people have done that, and, and I'm sure somebody you know put a lot of effort into getting this ship um, named for Doris Miller. Um, but it's it's a unique uh, opportunity, I guess, to honor uh, a service member, and and unfortunately, it's usually a fallen service members. Um, there's only a few, I think, that were named for for living people, and that was. Uh, I think like Ronald Reagan might've been one of them. Um, but he was obviously, you know, advanced in years, but, right. um, so it's a, it's a really a, an amazing way to, to honor somebody who's served. Um, but like you said, I never really thought about how the other, the other services, they don't have a mechanism to do that. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I very limited knowledge of, you know, the, the Marines and the army and, and the air force and how they name their, their companies or battalions or what have you, you know, it seems like it's numbers, I guess, usually. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, with the ships, it's it's a it's it's a nice way to honor people, um, and, and of course you know I think you again I'll, I'll steal some thunder from you. You know they name bases and and uh, streets and things like that um, as well. But the ships is isn't it's pretty unique, I guess, to the Navy. I hadn't thought about it. Well, I think it's really unique because um, when I was reading that biography, it mentioned the Indianapolis and. You know, the story of the Indianapolis is one of, um, of herald bravery and tragedy and everything. And it really, 
what I said to you just before I hit the record button was it's more than just naming a vessel uh, to memorialize or to remember a person that even after the vessel's retired, and if I'm calling it the wrong thing, you ship boat vessel, you, you correct me because I'm certainly not <laughs> well-schooled in that. But even after that is retired, the ship is retired, it seems like even years later, the legacy of that person remains alive because of what, it, what that ship accomplished. So for in, in two, right. Um, and, and the second way that, that comes to mind for me is that, um, you know, I've been out of the Navy for, you know, 15, 17 years or something, but right. people still just yesterday asked me what ships I was on. And one of the ships I was on was the Arthur W. Radford, which, um, I, I, I apologize. I, I looked it up when I was on the ship and, and knew a little bit more about him, but, mm-hmm. um, but again, it was a ship named after a person. Um, and so even, even years after the ship has been decommissioned, um, you know, the ship was, you know, typically around for 30 years, but you still name your ship and you talk about it with other people and, and it's known by that. Um, and there were, you know, that particular ship class, um, was the Spruance class and there was, I don't know, like 30 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, each of those ships is around for 30 years and then people talk about it after that, you know, it just, the, the legacy of the name, um, you know, goes on and on. Um, and it, it just, it, there's on the ship itself, there's, um, there's always like a plaque or a, a memorial or something like that to, to, you know, to identify, you know, who the ship is named after, if it's a person and, and what was interesting about it. Or, um, so the other ship I was on was the Leyte Gulf, which was a battle. Mm-hmm. And so again, they'll have, you know, commemorating that battle somehow and some, you know, the significant things that happened. So, um, do you find it, that the, the, the community that's on the ship, do they, do they own that? Do they, do they all know what the, uh, what the Reagan say the you know, if I was on the Ronald Reagan, do they really know what, what the ship's named after who it is, what it was, that type of thing? The, yeah, for the most part they do, and um, I, I'll give you, for instance, the, the Sullivans. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. a, a friend of mine was on the Sullivans back when I was in the Navy, and of course, you know, we know the the tragic story of that family, right? Um, and and uh, you know, it, it was it was one of those things where he, before he'd even gone to the ship, he sir, he he proudly named his ship, and and being you know, we, you know that he was going to go and serve on a ship named after for that family. Okay. Um, and then they definitely know that and take pride in it. Yeah. And, and it, you know, just listening to you talk about it, the ship lives on through you. So for the, for your lifetime, those ships that you served on will be part of you and you'll Correct, talk yes. and you'll talk about them. As you said, as recently as just a couple of days ago, when you're talking about your service or if you meet somebody, I know that it, I, we have, I have a, a good friend of mine um, who, who served in the Navy, and he's he's very um, has a strong affinity to the ships that he served on. You know, yeah. And again, so it's very rare that someone finds out. Well, when people talk to me, they typically say, "What ships were you on?" Now, again, I don't know if that's common in the other branches to you know to ask. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, it's not. Okay. Yeah, and that's something I wasn't aware of, but. Um, it's it it just it it becomes part of us uh, as sailors and and you know the pride that we have and and you know who who we remember memorialize through sure. our service. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I I'm gonna think of my own service, but you know, it's not like the other services don't have vehicles that could be named. 
um, maybe there's too many opportunities and it's much more finite with the Navy, but you, you know, with the Air Force, you have a lot of aircraft, right? And the aircraft themselves are not named. They, they, they're named in the sense they have nose art and, you know, like the lady such and such or whatever, but it's not the same. It's not being named like your, like your ships are. Um, when I think back to something that I'm strongly, uh, affiliated with or that I frequently mention when I talk about my service, was I had an opportunity to serve with a very historical Air Force. I served, um, it, when I being at Loring and being in Bombers, I was affiliated at one time with the 8th Air Force. And for me, that was a huge thing to wear that 8th Air Force patch because I knew what that patch went all the way back through World War One, especially yeah. in World War Two. You know, that's, that's all you think about when you think of the B-17s. You think about that 8th Air Force patch, you know. And right. I remember when putting that patch on my sleeve, that was a huge deal, but it wasn't a namesake. It was, like you said earlier, it was a number or a division or an affiliation with a group or a location. It's different. It has a different feel for it, you know? But at the same time, I, I think it's, it's like, he's, like you suggested, it's, it's a lot of pride in a, in a different way because you sort of now have this brotherhood or sisterhood with people who served, you know, a hundred years ago in World War One or World War Two, And, yeah. and uh, you know, that's something that, that the Navy you know, doesn't necessarily have because our ships are, are a little more finite. Um, yeah. but, um, so it's a little bit different, but, but to your point, and, and I can't imagine they would ever, you know, want to change that, that scheme because nope. it does, you know, it does have that legacy of, of going back to the, the prior, uh, servicemen that, that were in that, you know, in that group, um, in previous wars or, or what have you. That's a great um, point because it does tr- cross generations of people that I would, I have no knowledge of, have never met, don't pretend to know, but um, it crosses over the generations because we all did a similar thing in different equipment too. You know what I mean? Sure. These guys yeah. were in, certainly in different aircraft than I was flying, and then the the people in the future that will wear that patch are going to be in uh, who knows where, you know, <laughs> if they're <laughs> right, even in this right. atmosphere. Um, you know, but uh, it, it's going to it, – but we'll all have that common bond that goes across. So, yeah, you know, I guess I guess each service has their own way, but I have a real, um, a real respect for the way the Navy names the ships, as you mentioned it's a process. It's not something that's done, you know, willy nilly or just off the cuff. It has a great deal of significance when it's done and it should, because it's going to stay with people for, for very, very long. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. And, and like you said, I, I don't know much about, um, you know, like, like I can think of, you know, um, you know, tanks or something like that, that, that there's probably point, different yeah. cl- classes of tanks as they, you know, have different generations of, of design and, which is similar to the way we do the ships, um, but they're just, as far as I know, those are just sort of a, a letter number designation. Yeah. Um, or, or and uh, but but you know, I guess Abrams is the only name that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. In the pat, wasn't there a, a patent? Now I'm way out of my league here, but I think there was a patent tank or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm out of my league as well. So. See, I'm just going to embarrass myself, and there'll be. I'll be <laughs> it's uh, Veterans Assembly Hall at Gmail dot com. If anybody, if you're listening and you want to throw some hate mail, <laughs> yeah, army guys are going to come, come come after us. That's fine. Better. You know what? I'll I'll go off. I'll definitely go on record and saying if you listen to this podcast and you're you have some angst about your own service or the way we're represented get on here give me a call we'll put you on the podcast right on reaching out next month with lloyd and tom and mike we'll, we'll put you yeah. on here man and we'll take the punches straight yeah. on you know? and teach us something tell us tell us all about it we well, want to know that's what i hope i mean I, I find this really interesting and this is why i wanted to throw it at you tom because uh 
you know, you're looking at it from a perspective of somebody who served on the, you know, on the, on the ships, uh, you were out at sea, you did that tour and, um, and so it has, you know, I can read it and I go, wow, that's kind of interesting. They put a name on the side of the ship. I think you, you've kind of put more of a, a, a face on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and again, not knowing much about Doris Muller before this article, it's, it's interesting that it, it's, it's, I, I, um, I can't think of the word now, but, but good to see that, that he got that, that Navy cross for bravery. Um, yes. and yeah. then went on and then went on to do other great things. You know, it, you hear so many times there where somebody gets some major, uh, award or, or, or something like that, um, medal rather. And, uh, but it was done posthumously. Good um, but point. He, but, yeah. You know, he, he, he was recognized and then went on and then on, you know, two other ships and, and fought valiantly in world war two. Yeah. That is a great point. I, I didn't even uh, pick up on that. The, the story is interesting. And if you're listening and you haven't read the story of Doris Miller, I recommend, um, there's about a thousand articles in the past week and a half that have come out. Take one, read it. Um, th- this, uh, is not, a, a small story it, and I'm sure it's it's like an onion it, the more I read it the more I find out about it and I'm sure I don't know ha- half of what's going on with them you know yeah 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 really good and well deserved and um looking forward to seeing that that ship do you know what did you happen to notice in any articles you saw what what ship kind of ship it's going to be what class mm-hmm. what it's going to be no I I would I would off the top of my head I would probably guess a, an Arleigh Burke class uh destroyer there they cranked a lot of those out lately um and okay. they typically are been named after um after people, the Sullivans was an example I gave earlier, but, mm-hmm. um, but that's just sort of a guess. Okay. You know, I actually spent three days on the Reagan. Um, so, uh, you, do I get to kind of get in the club or is that not enough? <laughs> were you, were you underway or just on the pier? No, blue water. They were underway. Oh, awesome. I got a trap. I got a one trap, one shot, a uh, little life experience. Check that box off. And, uh, yeah, I actually went out and I stayed on the Reagan for three nights and slept in some dude's bunk that he was what? unsure and I was in his bunk. Was it a tiger? Was it a tiger cruise? Is that what it was? No, uh, it was it was operational. It was during one of my deployments and uh, I needed to go out and do some business out there and I uh, I flew out and and did what I had to do and then came back and um, awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I tell you yeah. what, it was. I- I was lucky enough to get a trap, but I never, I never, you know, got catapulted off. That that would be pretty wild, I imagine. It was a life experience, and for yeah. an Air Force guy, it was very unsettling. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it, well, I, I, those guys will never hear this podcast, I know, but uh, <laughs> the, so I won't tell all my lies. But uh, I'll t- uh, somewhere offline, I'll give you the rest of the story. It's, <laughs> It's a good, uh, it's a good read. That's for sure. But I felt like um, it was worth something when I when I get amongst the navy, my navy brother and 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 family. I usually pull that out and say, hey, yeah, yeah, I kind of know what's going on. That's <laughs> and and yeah, and, and it is a small club of people who have that. I mean, because you could true? be in the navy, you could be in the navy, you know, twenty twenty five years and never have the opportunity to to uh, you know be able to, you know, land and take off from a carrier. Right. Um, that's that's a small club. And, like, like, you know, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and, and what I found out being on the ship was, and then you have the flyers versus the uh, the guys that are on the ship full time, right? Ship's company, yeah. Yeah, ship's company. And they, the, you guys wear different colored uh, shoes, right? Brown shoes, yeah. black shoes. Brown shoes and black shoes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I picked something up while I was there. <laughs> 
I was a, I was a black shoe, so we like to pick on the brown shoes, yeah. the pilots and the uh, white crew guys. Yeah. Well, watch where you go there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> now you're moving into dangerous territory. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to assume that you guys in the Air Force work a little bit harder, but we, we like. I'll, I'll, I'll tell this joke because I'm sure any pilots out there or, or flight crew would, would have heard this before. That send it. That the ship's ship's, ship's company. We like to say that the uh, the pilots sleep till they're hungry and eat till they're tired or have to fly. And so basically, you know, they, compared to the ship's company, it seems like they get a lot of rest. So. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to guess that they're probably going to uh, dispute that, but we'll go. <laughs> I know I didn't get a whole lot of rest when I was there. Even when I was in the bunk, I was only one one level below the deck, and it was loud oh, yeah. all night long. So yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. So, um, yeah, good conversation. And we might revisit this again. Um, I appreciate your insight on that. That's really kind of what I wanted to do was kind of explore that. Um, There was another thing that I wanted to kind of throw out there. Uh, I saw this flash by, and uh, as I was saying to you, maybe we'll be able to get um, the state representative, Linda Dean Campbell from Methuen, to get on the uh, podcast at some point in the future, but they have her and uh, Mr. Verrera from Falmouth have filed a house resolution 4179. And it's an exploratory type thing to find a suitable location for a memorial at the state house. If I remember it correctly for an American revolutionary hero, Deborah Sampson of the fourth Massachusetts infantry regiment. That was from the revolutionary war. And this is a super interesting story you know, we were talking about Doris Miller and how that has so many layers, and the more you read it, the more you discover and respect. This is very interesting. So imagine a woman during the Revolutionary War uh, trying to enlist. Uh, it wasn't, they weren't, she wasn't able to do that. So she disguised herself as a man, uh, went and joined with the Patriot Forces, the only woman to receive a full military pension for participating in a Revolutionary Army. That is just amazing. Is I, it? I, you know, the Disney movie Mulan does something like that. You know, but, <laughs> exactly but, right. Holy cow! You know, I, I can't even imagine how difficult that would be to to to. And then, you know, clearly she served with with a lot of distinction to get the full full uh, military pension. That's she, that's remarkable. She did st- serve with distinction. I don't have all the details in front of me, but I know. Uh, actually, I don't know if I can grab them quick, but I have the whole resolution there, and it details in the resolution. Naturally, they have to uh, have to make more of an explanation. And she was discovered when she was struck, uh, injured in a battle, and she fought in two as a scout in two uh, very significant battles, which are just not in front of me, so I don't want to do them from memory. Um, and in the second one, she was uh, actually injured and taken back to a, an aid station, and that's the point where they discovered that uh, who you know what her true identity was. Just an amazing yeah. story. And yeah, the context of the Revolutionary War. Think of it back. You know, you hear these stories in World War Two where people enlisted younger and took their brother's certif- you know birth certificate and enlisted yeah. and went. Um, and I think some of that. I just. I think of that in the modern sense, and I'm like, I just can't even imagine how that would happen. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, right. We, we think of it in, in today's day and age, a seven, you know, fifteen year old enlisting, and and off they go, and nobody notices that this kid didn't go to school today. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but now you have the, you know, this, you know, Revolutionary War. I'm thinking around here was mostly like farm community, um, and so you know, for whatever reason, she had an opportunity to disappear. She disguise her identity and uh and did some great things so i'd love to 
uh, talk with uh, State Representative Linda Dean Campbell, and I'm going to reach out to her office and see if we can't get her on here. That'd be awesome, yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah, and and I'm sure somebody, you know, did she discover this story? Did somebody approach her with it? You know, this is kind of stuff that we don't learn about in school, and uh, at least, you know, not down in Maryland where I grew up, but maybe in, Mass- <laughs> maybe in Massachusetts they, they, they touch on this, but but this would be, you know, a great thing to to point out to people that, you know, who, who don't really, you know, we don't really think about this stuff. Just like, again, you know, the, the Doris Miller story, you know, there's, you know, so many people have done so many great things, uh, you know, in service to the country. Um, and, and I'll say, you know, quote unquote, illegally, you know, clearly she wasn't right. allowed to do this, but she did it anyway. Cause she felt that, that calling. Are we missing something, Tom, that we're not including that in the, uh, in the curriculum or the, the, the or was it never there? I think that it it helps us. It, well, again, I think I think you and I as veterans feel it a little bit differently. But I think in general, when we hear these stories as a as a teenager, maybe in a high school class, it sort of personalizes the American Revolution or whatever the the war happens to be that we're that we're studying. And we realized that it was real people that went off and did these these great things, and they were they were regular people, but they they had this drive, this calling, this need to to protect other people, to defend some some area or defend some you know their their family or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that personalization helps would help to to keep us all on the same playing field and and not um, you know not segregate ourselves so much, and and you know we can find something in common that we, you know, we all like this country and, and want to see her, you know, succeed. Great point. And I think the fact that sometimes um, they come from these very neighborhoods, I mean, Maryland is not short on history either. And so, you know, growing up, you you become um, not, you're just ignorant or you don't really appreciate everything that's right in your backyard. And you hear a story like this, where this person was from, I don't know where she was from, actually, but let's just say she was from Lowell. That really puts a spin on a story when you're in a school and you say, somebody from this neighborhood went off and did this thing 200 years ago. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. So I'm, I'm really jazzed up about this. I'm, uh, I would really like to know more. You, you brought up a good point. Like, How did this uh, representative get this story, and, and how did they learn about it? Is somebody advocating for it? Or uh, It's a great question, and I'd like to know the answer to that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That'd great. be great. I, yeah. Hope we can get her. Yeah. Let's try. Um, speaking about uh, guests being on, I just had um, John McDonald on. We did a, a one segment. He called in. It was a great interview. Um, John is from Veterans Assisting Veterans. I don't, hey, do you know John McDonald? I don't think so. I don't think we've had a chance to meet yet. We need to. Um, with some opportunity in the future i'll definitely introduce you well john's been around for a while he does a lot of great work um with veterans in this in right in our backyard right here in the merrimack valley and veterans assisting veterans has this great project they've, they've started it's called on track to the wall and what they're trying to do is they're trying to raise enough money next fall to send i think the number he wanted to send was 30 veterans from uh the vietnam war conflict down to Washington, D.C. to visit the wall. But they're not. it's not like an honor flight where they do it all on the same day. So they're going to go by train. It's going to be about a three-day trip. They're going to do a, um, a dinner when they get down there, a reception. They're going to pay for their hotel. I think he's working on a tour of the White House. Uh, and, of course, the keynote part of it is going to be to visit the wall. Um, and uh, did you hear the podcast? Because it it's a great uh, program that they're trying to launch. 
That, that's, it sounds great. And uh, I think you had touched on it the last time you and I talked. And, we did. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, any, any, any little bit that we can donate to help this, uh, this effort out is great. And, and he uh, said that he said, you know, $10, $20, $2,000, whatever you can give. He figures about a thousand dollars per veteran, I think is what the number he threw on there. And to that end, um, they're going to, he just announced this week that they're going to do a uh, benefit concert over at the Lowell Elks Lodge uh, over there in Ferry Lane by the Rook Bridge. Saturday, March 14th at 7 p.m. Get your tickets online. It's uh, John Montgomery, Boston legend, music legend, uh, speaking about playing guitar. John Montgomery and his band are going to play $25 uh, a person to go in, and all the proceeds go to benefit this. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I think that'll be a good night out, so it might be a good yeah. excuse to, to break free and run. The other uh, person I had an opportunity to talk to was Jason Maine. I just uh, pushed that one out just recently. It's available um, on our podcast site. Jason contacted us. He was from Friends Never Forget, and they have a, uh, a project. So it gets a little confusing in the sense that his parent organization is Friends Never Forget. He's uh, By the way, he was a Navy veteran. Was a I should have had you guys uh, talk. Like, <laughs> um, he was a Navy veteran. He was a, had a very interesting story. Anyway, he um, they started his foundation started a project called Operation Camp, and what they do is they send about nine to fifteen or twenty uh, campers to camp. They pay for everything. They pay for the transportation. They pay for the registration. Any associated fees, and it's for families of Gold Star parents. So the children of those gold star families, they, um, they get an opportunity to go to a camp, any camp they want. It's not one of these programs where they send them to a specific camp. They can go to any camp they want. They just apply to the program. If they're accepted, he said, he said he, they had a woman, um, go to space camp a couple of uh, years ago. Awesome. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that person had to get accepted into the program. Jason's pro friends never forget. They don't, they just pay for it. They can't facilitate anything. Um, but it's a really cool idea and he, it costs him about $3,000 a camper. So he's got quite a, a fundraising effort now, up till since they started doing it. I think he said they've sent almost 90, uh, kids to camp. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Pretty cool program. Yeah. And the last thing I had for events was, um, I had Gail, uh, Doherty from, uh, the American Legion riders over there in uh, North Chelmsford, as she corrected me, <laughs> post three, <laughs> three thirteen. And um, they are going to do a uh, blizzard barbecue. They're doing. They're having a barbecue next month <laughs> in February. Uh, they got a couple of smokers. Um, she was really selling. I'm a big fan of barbecue, so it didn't really take yeah. much to entice me. And it's like, uh, let's see, it's the 29th of February, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. over there in North Chelmsford. So if you're interested in that, you into barbecue or is that not your thing? Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming there's, you know, they'll let you inside the, the lodge there while you're eating. Well, you don't have to stand outside. On, on, <laughs> Then again, you know, standing over a fire is never a bad idea either. And they're right on the Freeman Lake, so you're standing with a beautiful view. Um, I'd never asked her that. Were you you allowed to go inside, or is that part of the Blizzard barbecue experience? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, We'll have to get her back on, and we'll find out. Or you and I can take a ride over there, Tom, on the 29th, and we'll find out firsthand whether we can get in the building. (laughs) 
You say take a ride. You taking your bike over there? Well, are you? Because if you're going, I'm going, man. We'll have to see what the weather's like. All right, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll we'll do a conditional commitment to that. <laughs> hey, I've been out in February before. I've been out in over every think every single month of the year. We were out in uh, January last year, although it hasn't been very favorable this year. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just got to watch out for the sand and on the streets. Right. There. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> the sand is the least my worries right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not coming out of the garage anytime soon. That's for sure. All right. Well, this was a great episode, Tom. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw in there? Or, uh... No, uh, we, uh, we, we took a bunch of people's time here. We we're having a, we're just having a good time chatting. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was great. It was a very interesting. Um, the whole discussion about the ships naming and, the re- the woman from the Revolutionary War and uh, there's a lot of cool subjects this month. So um, we'll do this again next month. Like I said, uh, we're finding our way with the programming on Veterans Assembly Hall, and I think we're really starting to dial it in well. Um, this is one of my favorite segments that we do, and we're going to try to do it every month. You may or may not get all three of us, but uh, we'll get something out, some content out. How's that? It sounds great. Lloyd's going to be upset he missed this. Well, you know, if the if the numbers are higher on this program, we know what the <laughs> what is it the Navy says every ship has to have an anchor, right? So we know what our anchor is. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> Tom, I appreciate you taking time uh, to call in today, and uh, as always, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. All right.